listening to the Live, Live, Play podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Live, Live, Play podcast. Uh, we are back for season two and we are doing seasons now. And my first guest uh, is a former guest from an older podcast and uh, it is Niall Monelli Counseling. He was a gym owner, now he's in counseling. And today we're going to discuss the fallout for teens and the impacts and the positives and the takeaway, the positives and ne- negatives of uh, what COVID has, has been doing to people. So, Niall, I really appreciate you jumping on the call. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, always appreciate uh, the invite and also the conversation we have in talking to you. And since we spoke last time, you are a new father. I am, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I am, yeah. <laughs> and I just became a dad again. Uh, like I know it looks like we're I look very young, um, but like you can the, the tiredness is in there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. It's it's funny how we're we're both feeling the same at the moment, whatever. But look, it's it's been an absolute kind of uh, life changer for me, you know. A big time, yeah. Um, but the sleepless nights and everything that kind of comes with it, whatever, is just kind of minor compared to kind of the love and what 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 uh, my daughter brings to our lives, like you know. Yeah. A little hug, or the yeah. cuddle. Like this, like it's soothing. I get given out to for just having her here, <clears throat> and I'll have her there for two, three hours, and I'll just I won't move. Yeah. She thinks it's I'm trying just not to do any work in the house, but <laughs> yeah. my daughter. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Even like she's starting to smile now, and oh, cool, yeah, kind of to be more cognitive and kind of understand kind of what's going on and making eye contact and kind of you know. So it's little changes, even though I'm saying little changes, but they're actually kind of big changes. Like you know, um, like week by week, you even see physical changes. Mm. But look, it's an absolute uh, blessing, and we're absolutely grateful for. Uh, How old is she now? She's come up to three months. Well, she's uh, ten. Uh, well, be eleven weeks tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? It's just. Yeah. <laughs> I know people say this. Well, I never got it. On when people talk about babies, I I had no interest in babies. To be honest, our kids. Yeah. Uh, until you have your own, you just don't get it. I don't yeah. think you can get it. There's yeah. that like. You're t- you can be like tired and you're up and they're crying and all the, all the things you have to do for them. But then they look at you and you're like, your heart melts. Yeah. And it's definitely a difference between having a boy and having a girl for me. Is there? Well, I, I, can, I, already, I can already feel I'm done. I'm doomed. <laughs> I'm doomed to be uh, just one of those. Yes, dear. Yes, darling. <laughs> Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's absolutely. Look, it, it's amazing. Like as a, um, yeah, as a first-time father, I never, I never understood that either as well, and I never had yeah. that feeling. Like I'm, I'm forty years of age this year, whatever. So, um, it's for me, it's just been an absolute blessing. Like you know, um, and uh, something I think that uh, got us through the helped us get us through the pandemic and. And whatnot, like you know, it's kind of um, yeah, it's just been incredible. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely a roller coaster, and it only gets better and more stress. You know, well, we will we will start the show in a second. But one of the things that I noticed is that I always I always said to Susan, I said I'd love to have Jody as a, a baby baby for like two hours, just to give him the cuddles. But then when he's growing the things I can do with him and the things I can teach him is a whole, it's just, it's just like an evolution of amazing an amazing time with that one person. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I honestly like, yeah, if you, if you, if I met myself 10 years ago, yeah. <laughs> like you're talking shy, I'm not having kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. How life changes, huh? <laughs> oh, big time. Big time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. But we're not, the show isn't about uh, babies. Uh, maybe that could be for another show. <laughs> Parents, the dad show. Um, but we're going to be talking about, obviously, um, teenagers and youth specifically. We, like, we, it, it'll, I suppose it'll be touch for everyone. Um, but obviously over the last 12 months, it's been a roller coaster. But I kind of feel kids might have, been able to get away with it a little bit more. Uh, adults can kind of 
function better. I think teens, because they're going through so much, it the impact of COVID has probably affected them more. Have you found teens and people in general coping with this? Like, how have you found that? Or what have you been seeing in regards to youths? Um, yeah, coping. Um, yeah, I think since the restrictions of the pandemic, I think it's been felt across the board. Uh, for teenagers, I think the restrictions have, uh, have meant months of virtual learning, more times isolated from friends, and even the cancellation of, the cancellation of important and social activities, um, like sports, uh, school uh, performances, and even graduations. Um, for, for some children or whatever, you know. So I think collectively, we're all, we've all struggled in some way. Um, some have found ways to accept what's going on and others, unfortunately, have been so consumed by it, it's contaminated their lives and maybe even their families' lives, you know. Um, there was a study done in America, and I think it's, it'd be probably pretty similar um, in Ireland, but there was a study done with a thousand parents of teenagers between 13 and 18 uh, years of age, and the results suggest that one in three girls and one in five teen boys have experienced new or worsened anxiety since March of 2020. You know, so yeah. the, the pandemic has forced teens to be removed from normal social and physical and educational, you know, mm. interactions. And for, for some teens, these years are the most pivotal time in their lives. You know, even hormonally, there's a lot of changes kids and teens are having to deal with and then having to be isolated um, in a house and not being able to express that through friendships and sports. You know, it's, um, I, I, look, I, I, I think it's just been incredibly difficult. Um, I, I've done three talks in uh, through Zooms in schools around Kildare. I've done one talk in a, a college in Dublin and plenty, a handful more have been cancelled because they wanted to do them in person. Mm. So um, I didn't get to talk to, to many uh, teens uh, or adolescents or adults really, except the people I'm working with. But from what I gather, you know, the, the consensus is that, you know, um, a lot of people are struggling. Yeah. And I, I, I seen, well, I was listening to, it was on the radio, um, and they were talking about, it was affecting kids that were going from sixth class into first year. And they haven't really had their f proper first year. They haven't got to mix with people properly. They haven't got to make new friends. So they're still on that kind of, the big fish in the little school they've left, but then they don't have their friends around them as often. And then the like anxiety and uh, they're just pumped up that they are there. There's a bigger fear of going to first year into school and that's affecting them. And even to the point there was a woman on saying that her kids don't want to go or her child doesn't want to go to school because it's been so long since it's had a proper routine. Yeah. And I just, yeah, like I can see even with our teens and we, we worked with a football group and we asked for feedback and a lot of them were just saying it's something like we it was online classes, but it, like the feedback we got was either from the kid themselves, which was very limited to a yes or no, I feel like, but the parents were saying it's, they look forward to having something new and a different type of discipline in their life. They like, cause they need, like they've, as you said, they're grown. They have so much energy to expend. Mm -hmm. And then the social aspect, I think, which would obviously affect people more mentally is it's, I'd say we're going like, oh, so you, you'd kind of see it more as we're going to see this impact people a lot further as we come out of the pandemic, I think. Because with, with the people have been anxious about actually just meeting up with people or going to sport or just because they're not used to socializing for so long. Yes, 100%. And I think uh, 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 there's a book, Johan Harry, called, uh, it's called Lost Connections by Johan Harry. Um, and he discusses that, uh, um, that uh, this is pre-pandemic now, that um, people in solitary confinement get, I think, 90 minutes on the yard a day. And uh, in England, uh, there, was, there was more prisoners getting light, sunlight, and out in nature, or whatever, not nature, but outside, getting more sunlight and getting more uh, exposure outside than uh, the majority of teens in the country. So like, so say it's like, say, 90 minutes uh, a day, or say 90 minutes to two hours a day that teens were used to, used to getting pre-pandemic. Then during pandemic, what's that turned into? That's probably mm -hmm. turned into kind of like 
not much at all. So now when you've got, you know, teens and adolescents and children, whatever it is, sitting inside all day, but what are they doing? They're probably on social media a lot more. Uh, that's probably increased watching TV, isolating themselves, not talking to friends, not communicating, um, you know, not connecting with people, not having that kind of freedom to, to meet up with people or whatever. So I do think that in years to come and uh, after this whole pandemic is um, hopefully over or controlled in some way or maintained, um, that I think a lot of children out there um, and teens are probably going to struggle uh, in some ways to reconnect with people. And I think that's where kind of maybe like teachers and I think parents can maybe step in and there's loads of um, good, well, I, not loads, but there is, if you go to jigsaw.ie, yeah. Some online, just online kind of courses that teachers and uh, parents can do about kind of like how to um, how to manage or how to control kind of what's going on uh, with um, with teens and with, with young uh, people or whatever you know. Um, but I think yeah, definitely teachers will will play a role in the promotion of mental health among students, and they can also discuss well being and how important it is. So I think when when children go back to school. I think if teachers kind of fill that role of uh, maybe educating, I know it's not their role specifically or whatever, but if they even educate themselves, as anyone, if anyone is listening to this and they can educate themselves or even parents can educate themselves on the, the mental health and well-being of their children and students, I think that could play a huge role. Uh, I, I think you're, you kind of hit the nail on the head there a little bit. I know teachers aren't qualified for it, but it could be something like you've done talks in schools, which I... I, I we didn't have stuff like that when we were in school. Yeah. Like we, I remember getting guest speakers in and they'd talk about different things, but no one ever spoke about mental health. Uh, it wasn't as, it, it was, you kind of didn't really speak about it back then, like all them, geez, 20 odd years ago. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, that could be like a, something that like schools should probably look at or school board should look at as putting in like, monthly or uh, kind of quarterly mental health talks and checks and because it is something that kids need to and I don't know uh, from your own experience but just from kind of what you hear is that it would be easier to probably get stuff from girls uh, but boys probably won't want to talk as much and having that kind of element um, but would you would you would you have found that or like from when you did your talks would you find that if you did a Q&A you'd get more girls asking questions or boys or am I completely off off uh, the radar there? <clears throat> um, yeah, I think years ago, I think, I think it is changing. I think it is changing. Definitely years ago, I think we would have had that. But look, you got to, you got to, you got to know your audience and you got to know what we've been conditioned to probably think for, for years that, you know, being told kind of in our generation, we were probably told that, you know, only girls cry and guys can't be weak and you need to toughen up and you need to be strong. You need to be all of these things. And, you know, it was nearly like, you know, an insult nearly to your family or your family name or whatever like that. It's like, you know, some parents kind of live through the children or whatever. It's like, my, my child is strong and, you know, my Stephen is strong and look at him playing football. And it was all, you know, it was a lot of, I think, pressure um, mm. on men, uh, younger men in our generation kind of growing up to be strong, to be tough, to be the good at things or whatever, you know, it was nearly like a pride, a, a pride thing for a family name and yeah. now I, think, I think times are changing i definitely am going to schools now and seeing men young men um, and teens being very more open with their feelings and emotions after talks the uh, more men than women would actually hit me up and they'd, uh, send me messages and talk about uh, things i discussed um, i definitely see a change and definitely change and i think that is all down to maybe maybe in the last maybe five, six, seven years, whatever, since there's more men like Brezzy and kind of Blind Boy uh, from the Rubber Bandits, more people being open about their mental health. Yeah. Sharing their own stories and struggles and whatnot. And it's, it's kind of got into the mainstream now where it's kind of nearly become acceptable for men to open up. Yes, eight out of 10 people who take their lives in this country are men. Um, so you could look at that statistic and say, well, why is that happening? Um, so... I do believe men are getting better at opening up, but I also know where that kind of uh, that kind of uh, concept is coming from. That you know, men don't open open up as much as women or whatever. But I do believe it is getting better, and I think the more we have discussions like this, and the more I talk in schools, and the more men are standing up um, and making it acceptable 
uh, I think it will continue to change. I 100% agree. And I, I do believe that obviously there's this whole kind of stoic manliness and like, look, manliness is a cool thing to have, but to be able to share when you're feeling down or you're having a bad time with someone is also stoic because you're, you're strong enough and old, uh, strong enough to be able to share that you're not feeling good about yourself rather than trying to bottle it up and, um, no, it's good to hear that that's actual, because from my, my perception, but then I would have grown up in that kind of era is that like, it would be hard to get something from a bloke as in to start opening up and start telling you that you listen, I don't actually feel good. And I just, I always feel down and I'm not happy with myself. Uh, and as you said, uh, eight out of 10. Yes. So, yeah. So like, obviously that's huge to be able to kind of get a, a generation talking yes. and helping them do something. And it's something that we've looked at every year. We do a, we do a meetup uh, with all our teens. Now we do a mix. We do men and girls, uh, boys and girls together. And we just sit down and we talk to them about what they want to do and that it's okay to have different goals and it's okay to want this. And it's okay. Now we never, I like I'm not a counselor, so I never talk about emotions, but it's, I think it's good that they have outlets that aren't just sports. And if they are in a sport, even like, I suppose, sport more like Gaelic and rugby and football, they should have stuff on mental health for kids to be able to talk. Because, you know, that you might want to say to your parents. You might yeah. want to talk to your mom and dad about something that's going on in school. Uh, but you might talk to your coach or, or even like if they spring it to a coach, then there's like, well, we want you to call Nal Manelli because he's the guy you talk to and you've done a talk with the with the guy club and they know your name, they know your face, they know it's going to be confidential. I suppose more awareness that it is, like there's people out there that will help you if you need it. Yeah, and I think, I think uh, like in the last few years, it's become so acceptable that uh, people are becoming more approachable about yeah. it. I think years ago when we were growing up, you didn't feel comfortable approaching anybody about it because, you know, you know, men were men and kind of like the, you felt that they needed to be strong and they needed to be kind of like, you know, uh, not weak or whatever like that. So the perception, I think, has changed and I think it's becoming more acceptable. So I think young teens and adolescents and stuff, uh, uh, young men are starting to kind of reach out because they see it um, as being more acceptable and people are becoming more approachable. Like the more men that are talking about these, and look, I do agree. I think if we start to talk about it in schools and we start to kind of uh, educate the younger generation, then the generation after that will be even more acceptable and kind of they'll be conditioned in a different way that it is okay to open up, it is okay to talk. I often ask that question to, to teens when I'm in schools and I said, well, why, what is the problem about opening up? And people do suggest, oh, it's weak and I'll feel like I'll be slagged and abused or whatever. And I said, okay, let me get this straight then. So you said that somebody who's willing to stand up, be vulnerable enough to open up about their own struggles what does that seem like to you? And they say, oh, strength and courage. So well, where's weakness in that? Well, there is none. And you see all their minds kind of just changing and saying, well, hang on, where is this kind of, like how did weakness get attached to being vulnerable and open up? You know, surely that's a strength, that's a sign of strength and courage, that you're so vulnerable that you're opening up without, uh, you know, the ramifications of what people are going to think of you. That's surely strength and courage to me. That's that I wouldn't deem that as weakness at all. But I, I think it's just a generational thing that, you know, um in years to come, I think the next generation and the ones to follow um will have a different perception of yeah. opening up. It is changing one hundred percent. I think with, with people that would be afraid to stand up, is they're afraid of getting, I suppose, a backlash from peers as in like a, a kind of end up being a bullying situation. Like like Right, I get like if I did something, no matter what I do, whether it's good, bad, or different, my mates will eventually turn it into a slag because they're my mates, my close circle of friends, and that's banter. And like, there's never any maliciousness in it. But what I mean, like, if someone stands up and says something, and then there's a bullying situation, as in, like, no, soft boy, or you know, walking down the corridor in school. And I, I only got this. I, I was, I was on a call there two weeks ago, 
And it was about someone who were pretty much, if you're slagging off someone, you're kind of resenting that they did something that you're not willing to do. Yeah, you're mirroring uh, back, you're reflecting back to them. Yeah. And it was, it was just a great way you're, the guy spoke about it. He goes, when you are, like, so if someone stood up, like a, a teen stood up and said, listen, I'm, I'm really feeling down myself. They had strength to stand up and the courage to tell everyone in the room how they're feeling or they, and then someone tried to slag them off. That's like to educate the person that stood up and go, they're only saying that because they don't have the courage to do what you're doing. So they're showing their true weaknesses. You're showing your, your true strength. And I never really, I kind of knew it, but I never really understood it until it was explained to me is that when you resent someone or you look down on someone, it's just because there's something about that person that you want to be and you can't be. Because there's something important you Often that is the case of we, they mirror, they're, they mirror kind of something in us that we miss or we're not confident about or our own insecurities because, you know, say the two of us meet and then I see you're successful in the gym and everything's going okay for you. For me, I'm like, okay, we're similar ages and we start at similar times, all this kind of stuff. So that could mirror my own insecurities of, but hang on, like, I should have what he has. Why don't I? And that, yeah. could, that could make me feel worse about myself. But I about my own decisions in life. But why am I where Stephen is? Why didn't I make good decisions like Stephen? So often we can, it can mirror and reflect our own insecurities. And what, what happens through that is projection. We start mm. to project our own insecurities or whatever. And that's all it is. And that's all what, what most of the time bullying is or whatever it is. It's just people projecting how they really feel on the inside. So like if you say in that case where the person stands up and says something and somebody slags them or whatever, a lot of the times that is just projection of yeah. how maybe insecure one other person feels. And in, in a time where we've been isolated for a year and a lot of people have been struggling, I think for the next few years, it is, it is so important for us all to lift each other up now. Like 100% from here on in is to just lift each other up to motivate each other, to inspire each other, to put your hand down, to pick somebody up. Like, I think that's just, I think that's going to be huge for the next few years to, to reach out and to help people. Yeah, I 100, I 100% agree. And then if you were to take the last 12 months, and this is something obviously we, we, we started talking about before we started the podcast, is how, uh, like, I, I, sorry, let me say it again. How can we change the last 12 months in the mindset of a teen or for anyone is in like I looked at how like everyone said all oh, your gyms closed I I've taken a lot of positives out of the last 12 months mm -hmm. for my business mm -hmm. and we're not in an ideal situation yeah. but you can either sit there and go okay I'm gonna wait till someone comes and fixes everything for me or how am I gonna use this to my advantage and that's what I've done with the company for the last 12 months but for teens, um, or even people in general, I suppose, for everyone, how, what would be your advice to switch again, take the positives out of the last 12 months? Well, that's a complex question. Um, because, yeah, to take the positive out As in, of So we all, we all had negative. Sorry, I, th I think I'm not explaining it um, correctly. Um, everyone's looking at the pandemic as a horrible thing. Yeah. Well, what, what good things happened in that time? Like positive things for us was I got to sit back and really look at the company and redevelop a lot of things. I got to get married. I got to have a kid. Uh, well, Su sorry, Susan had a baby. I didn't have a baby. So I was out there to make sure I get <laughs> Um But for even teens, it's like, I, as I explained to my teens, I said, you've got to spend six weeks purely working on Olympic lifting and technique. So when you come back to the gym, you're going to be better at Olympic lifting. Yeah. Where I like, where like take the small positives and then just focus on it. When you take all your small positives, it turns into be a big kind of pot of positivity of good things that happened in the pandemic. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like wh wh where would for you, how would you kind of 
I think I'm ruining this question, to be honest. No, no, no. I, like, I think I know what you're saying. It's just that when, yeah. when I was asked that question, I was like, positives, like, I, I, I'm just kind of thinking, like, it's it, for me to reflect back over the last year with thousands of people dying and infected and kind of people losing loved ones and stuff like that. I just took it as, well, it's hard to try to put a positive spin on what happened, but I understand what you're saying. Individually, yeah. kind of, what can we take? you know, kind of going forward or whatever. I think, look, I think what you you said is you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I think a lot of people going forward will probably, um, will probably come to the realization of how important it is, connections, how important connections are, how important family is, how important close friends are, how important kind of like life is. And to understand that kind of like, you know, something like this might happen again. Like how, how do we, kind of like, you know, build our own confidence, self-esteem, resilience, any of that kind of stuff in case it does happen again, whatever. But I, I think it all boils down to the, the one big positive, I think, if somebody can take on forward would be how important connections are, how important it is for, for humans as a human being is to have good company around, to have love, to have care. And maybe for some people it would be to have spend more time with their family. I think what a lot of people probably learned throughout the pandemic was how stressed they were in life and in work. And like working, you know, 12, 14, 16 hour days, not spending time with family, friends, you know, burnt out, exhausted, whatever it may be. So I think going forward, a lot of people may be kind of coming to terms with, okay, balance. I think the one huge word throughout the pandemic going forward would be, can you, can you structure a bit more balance in your life with work, uh, uh, personal and professional life? You know, and that boils down to what you talked about, family, friends, uh, children, whatever it may be. Can you create more balance in your life? Um, and maybe the pandemic, you know, highlighted that for some people that they had no balance. You know, they were probably not spending enough time at home, not connecting with their partners and, you know, probably you know, getting consumed by things that really didn't matter. In the grand scheme of things, I think the pandemic stripped everything down to the bare minimum. Like you're living in your house with your family, you're alone or whatever it may be. It stripped us all of freedom. It stripped us all of safety, security, all of that. So when, you, when everything is stripped, it, it kind of, it, it humbles you to, uh, to a point where you realize, okay, well, what is important in my life now? Yeah, no, yeah, I totally, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Looking, looking back at all those things, you, as you said, like people that were working or probably stressed out about the, the smallest things in life are now kind of like, well, that's not really important. Like, cause you got to step away from a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's, um, that's a really good point and a way to look at it. I also believe that for teens, it can be used as to build, like they, they've, like you, you, you touched on it as they, they've had to build resilience because they've gone back to school. They've been shut down. They've gone back to sports. They've been shut down. Mm -hmm. And a lot of teens, I know some mightn't have taken it as well, but I think a lot of teens can look at this when they come out of it, when it's all back to normal is that they've went through a year and probably more, probably be a year and a half, two years by the end of it all, um, where they had to be resilient. Mm -hmm. They had this like for guys that, didn't get their leaving cert or like got their junior cert cancelled, all that stuff. They've had to, they've had to process that. They didn't get to do like, they didn't get their first year in college. They've had to go online. They've all had to process and deal with that. And I think the greater side of it would be people will come out stronger mentally, hopefully. Um, that's what I would like to see. I know it probably won't. I thought a lot of people are going to be struggling a fair bit, like we've talked about. But um, I think the resilience aspect of it is if we can turn it around from being a negative to teach them that you got through a year and you are stronger for it, rather than you got through a year and you're weaker for it. Mm. Um, that kind of mindset, I suppose, would be something I would like to kind of tell my teens and my youths when I work with them is then like you did something that you're a lot of other people at your age will never have to experience. Yeah. And we can take that to be a positive, even though you probably hated it, but you can take it to be a positive. It's a choice. Yeah. yeah like, like, when it comes to resilience, there's like a Dr. Kenneth Ginsburg, a child a pediatrician and human development expert, uh, proposed uh, seven integral um, and interrelated components that make up being resilient. 
which is competence, confidence, connection, uh, character, and contribution. Uh, sorry, uh, coping and control. So um, he also wrote a book called Building Resilience in Children and Teens, uh, Giving Kids Roots and Wings. Um, so even if we were to kind of look at kind of like them seven things, um, them seven uh, integral parts of resilience, you look at competence. That's the, the ability to know how to handle stressful situations effectively. So that's going to be something for teens to, to, um, to be able to develop in the future and to probably develop maybe throughout the pandemic and for some that probably lack that development, you know? Um, so that, that'd be a big one going forward. And confidence is the belief in one's own ability um, and it's also rooted in confidence as well. So I think a lot of people probably suffered a, 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 um, a lot with confidence throughout the pandemic, not being able to interact or whatever. So I think going forward, it'd be trying to build more confidence in um, teens. Uh, connections, children with close ties to friends and family and community are likely to have stronger sense of security and sense of belonging. So one thing the pandemic probably took away from people was all of that. So I think coming out, um, if they want a positive kind of uh, uh, to build resilience uh, in some way outside or post pandemic would be to reconnect with friends, family, community, get involved and get that sense of belonging back again. Uh, character, character with children, a strong sense of self-worth and confidence again. Um, values, stuff. So that's all part of your character. That can be kind of like built on as well. Contribution if, uh, if kids uh, can experience uh, uh, contributing to the world that can, uh, that can empower them and help them feel like they've got a place in the world. So they feel like they're contributing. So whether it's like in a team or whether it's training in your gym or whether it's kind of contributing in some way. So I think getting back to kind of contributing uh, because of probably like being out for a year of feeling like they haven't contributed to much. So they might yeah. have that kind of like sense of not belonging to much. And then coping again would be children who have uh, a wide skill of coping, uh, social skills, um, are able to cope more efficiently and better prepared to overcome life's challenges. So that's another big one. I think that's probably one of the most important is coping strategies and mechanisms, like learning them for future uh, situations and scenarios that might come up like this. And the last one then is control when we kind of realize um, that all of our decisions and actions are in our control. And um, I think that can be hugely uh, empowering uh, for uh, gaining resilience going forward in the future because, and that is a huge part of resilience is like sometimes when we lack resilience, we don't think we have control over our decisions or our actions. But when we find out we actually do, um, it can be empowering for us to build resilience going forward. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the coping one, I think is a, a big one. And like you said, a lot of people will probably have to, be shown or kind of educated on coping because some people would be stronger than mentally than others uh but that, those it was seven principles there was there yeah seven yeah so seven c's seven c like they're definitely things that again like what you're doing now and like working with schools and educating kids and teens on this is this like it's firstly it's it's okay to not feel good but we can we can help you develop uh, uh, a resilience and help you process it and kind of understand how you're feeling because i suppose for a teenager firstly before the pandemic being a teenager was uh all over the place i remember being like kind of grumpy and like just an absolute nightmare at home but then you put me on a basketball court and i was happy go lucky um because it was an environment where i love to be but no one was telling me that me being at home being a grumpy was getting me nowhere like you know what i mean but now adding a pandemic into it <clears throat> i suppose all the hormones everything else is just i suppose you're getting hit every way from sunday and for some if i say for a lot of teens they can't the processing aspect is probably it's, it could be, I suppose, very overwhelming for them. It is. Well, look, you think about multiple lockdowns. So the pandemic has certainly increased anxiety and depression um, in this country without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but I think, and I don't want to put pressure on parents or teachers or whatever, but I do think they, like, 
parents and teachers, we can talk about mindfulness and we can talk about kind of taking care of ourselves and self-care and resilience, whatever. But again, like it's all going to boil down to the parents and teachers actually showing them what it is and teaching them um, what it is to cope and uh, resilience and kind of talk about anxiety and talk about depression and talk about open up and give them uh, permission to open up in the space to talk and to share their feelings or whatever. But that's all going to like, you got to think about when you are younger, you know, you look up to a lot of people. You would have probably looked up to your basketball coach. You probably would have looked up to your parents, would have looked up to a couple of teachers or whatever. And they're the things, and they're the people, sorry, that I think the teens are going to look up to and look for help and look for guidance. And I think it's the more educated parents and we'll say adults and teachers become around mindfulness and self-care and resilience and coping mechanisms. And they can, they can, um, they can help to teach uh, and to kind of, you know, the whole monkey see monkey do kind of thing, whatever, you know, so if you see your parent, you see your teacher practicing mindfulness or self-care or taking care of themselves. It's not going to be long before you start copying them or understand it yourself. Yeah. So I think, I think if, if parents want to help, um, and teachers want to help, I think, is to educate themselves as much as possible and to just um, to, to give uh, teens permission to kind of open up um, and to talk about what they're struggling with. Um, I think that's, that's a good place to start. Again, not even going into kind of like in schools, okay, let's get uh, a cl one class a week or one class a month mm -hmm. to talk about this. That's definitely 100% something that could benefit the whole country. But will it happen? I don't think the money and resources will be pushed that direction, But which is a shame. But then it's down to other people like myself and other people are more vocal about it to keep putting up content to yeah. help you know, teens and to help um, teachers and parents understand um, how to cope, what is resilience, how to improve resilience and, um, you know, how to uh, talk openly. Like a lot of people, Stephen, you got to remember, a lot of people don't have the language around mental health. They don't understand. You know, do you ever go to a funeral, right? And people are all standing around and everyone's afraid to go up and shake, even though it's your friend that could have had somebody, their parent pass or whatever like that is. There's still like people will cling together and like, oh, you go up. No, you go up. And there's this kind of like someone just go up and shake their hand. And when you go up, it's kind of like, oh, uh, sorry for your loss. And you try to get out of there as quick as possible. It's just all yeah, that's, that's 100%. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's the same because we, we don't have the language around that. We don't have the language around kind of what to, what to go up and say or do whatever. And I think it's the same if we were to look at it in a mental health aspect or whatever. I think a lot of people just don't understand what to say. So a friend opens up and to say, hey, I'm struggling. Can you help? And I just think a lot of people, you know, uh, just don't understand. They're like, oh, they kind of panic or they have to Google something or they just ignore the person. And then the person feels that sent a message or reached out, feels like, oh, I'm being ignored. They don't like me. They don't love me. But I don't think it's a matter of that. I think a lot of people love and care for you more than you think. But I just don't know if people have the language around it. And after, you know, they feel confident enough. You know, if somebody says, hey, I feel like taking my own life. Like, what do you do? And I don't think people understand what to do. I think the more we discuss this and the more teachers and parents and government get on board with all of this, it will become acceptable and everyone will just know what to do. Yeah. Like that's like, um, even though it was a question that was put in my head, um, one of our coaches was driving home there, I think it was January. And he was going over the bridge just to leave Bray. And he's seen a guy standing on the bridge just on his own. This is about half 10 at night, 11 o'clock. And he said there was something about him. He just he felt wrong, so he went down and went around the roundabout, came back up, came up, and he seen him climbing, he was standing on, nearly on top of it, and he started beating the horn. They got him down like the guy was about to jump off the bridge. It's like having it, and he just kept talking to him. Now, uh, Dave, not not Dave Lacey, Dave, our new coach, Dave. He's done a lot of stuff with suicide prevention, and he's done a lot. Like he he understands a lot of that. Like he's he kind of looked into it, and I I kind of studied it a little bit. And he got the guy down. The guards eventually came, and he, like it turns out, he's having a really bad time with his family and his kids. And uh, then the next day, he went to the the guard stations, asking for more. Obviously, the guards couldn't give him any more information, but he said he 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 went home and like they, they made sure he got home okay and all that. But like there is, like he was able to deal with that. And then I was I, I questioned myself: Would I have turned around? Mm -hmm. 
and I, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would or I wouldn't. I honestly couldn't answer. I, and that kind of annoyed me seeing that. Is that if I had a driven past that and seen that guy on the bridge, would I have turned around to go back and stop? Like, pretty much prevented him from jumping. Are you saying that because you kind of would have feared that you wouldn't have had the right things to say to somebody in that situation? And you might have made it worse, or you might have been at fault, or is that... Yeah, possible? like something, or even to the point it was like, that's not, that's just a guy on a bridge. I wouldn't have registered with me that that could be something more than a guy on a bridge. A bit of both. Yes. But I, I've, thought, I've thought of it a few times, and it's like, would I have done what they've done? And because he's more aware of things. Well, that because, just... That, Sorry, yeah, no, no, sorry to cut across here. That, that just kind of proves what we've been talking about. Yeah. He was educated and he was aware of what to do. Um, you know, um, so he, he, he understood and he was yeah. confident enough to, to understand kind of like what this person needs. And often when people are struggling, they don't need everyone to fix you know, they don't need another hundred suggestions on what they should do in life. They've already thought about this for days, weeks, months, years of, you know, suggestions and stuff. They just need someone to listen. Mm. They just need someone to be there. Like he probably drove up, got out and just said, hey, you know, yeah. just talk to me for a second. You know, and all he done was just listen. Let the yeah. guy talk. Let the, whoever it is, the person just talk. Just let them. And just, just be compassionate. Just show interest. And just like Carl Rogers, just... just uh, you know, basic human kind of, um, um, basic human kind of, um, you know, uh, love and care. It's just, just to be there and just to listen. And that's quite often what people just need is just somebody to listen. They don't need, you know, the situation could have changed if he drove up and went, oh, what are you doing? Oh, get down off that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and kind of went at it as, what are you doing? And, you know, come here and this is what you should do. And that's what you should do. And you, they don't need stuff like that. It's the, the need just someone to listen, just someone to sit down and kind of say, just tell me what's going on. Is everything okay? And that's what people I think confuse with mental health. When somebody hears about, say somebody wanting to take their own lives or struggling with anxiety or depression, they feel like they need to fix. They mm. feel like they need to have all the answers. You do not need to fix. You do not need to have all the answers. You just need to listen. I think that, that like, it's like, um, as you said, like that person has been thinking about this for days. It's been in their brain. But yeah. you, when you internalize, so when you when you verbalize something, it's better mm -hmm. because you can process it better. And it's like when you write stuff down, like brain dump, you can get rid of a lot of stress. And it was even something that I did. It was yesterday. I had to do a twenty-minute hot pen. It's called. And you have to start writing. You, you get given a sentence, and then you just have to continue on. You can write. You can end up writing. I don't know what I'm writing. But you're not allowed to stop writing for 20 minutes. And the reason behind it is that after 10 minutes, your, your, your conscious brain gets tired and can't really work anymore. So real stuff starts coming out. And it was amazing when I read back what I wrote in 20 minutes. Uh, firstly, my arms were, my wrist was a bit. But I got, I got to the point where I started getting very deep into me more so than, well, this is what I'm going to do at the gym and this is what I'd like to do with my family and this is who I want to connect with again. Then it was getting more, because when you start running out of all of the external factors, mm -hmm. you start talking more to you about yourself and what, what you dislike and what you do like and what you should do for yourself. And it was an interesting, um, it was quite an interesting way to, I've never, like I've done a brain dump before, but it, you were taught like that the drill was, you, you had to write for 20 minutes. You weren't allowed to stop, no matter what. Mm -hmm. You just can't take your... And you, you'll start writing a lot. You'll write some, an awful lot of, like, just random stuff. But you will get to the core of a few things that you generally aren't dealing with. Mm -hmm. And once you get them on paper, then you... you, you feel, and in all fairness, I felt so... My head felt so much lighter mm -hmm. when I was done. It was crazy. It was, it was a cool little um, drill. Um, that we did. It was, it was quite interesting. Um, it's a good tool to have. And I think we done that in college. Um, I think our first year in college, I think we done something similar to that. I think we were given half an hour. Um, 
and it was just kind of writing and kind of yeah getting from the conscious of what uh, to the unconscious like what's back there like what is really the issue and problem like once all you get through all the oh he said and she said this and yeah. I'm in work or whatever like that is you get down I, I guarantee yours kind of nearly flowed it kind of just went yeah yeah all this kind of like surface level stuff that's kind of going on and she said this and then like I, I just you know whatever is kind of going on and then I started to kind of get into the real kind of like what you're really feeling about yourself and that's a lot yeah. of people don't give themselves the opportunity to really tap into that. And that's why people get consumed by social media, to get consumed by not having boundaries, to get consumed with comparison, to get consumed by all of this, because it's all this superficial surface level kind of stuff or whatever, instead of actually getting deep inside and go, well, why am I comparing my life to Floyd Mayweather, who's got like, you know, 17 cars and he's a professional boxer <laughs> Why am I comparing myself to somebody in the fitness industry? Or why am I comparing myself to somebody who's got nice bum and boobs and abs and whatnot? Like, why? Like, what is it all about? Because that's all surface level stuff. That's all kind of, that's what, you know, social media and stuff is, is built on and kind of um, is people's insecurities. And that's all surface level. But getting into why you feel insecure, why are you buying this thing at 12 o'clock at night, this 99 your all thing on TV that's going to change your life. And, you know, it's, it's asking yourself and getting in. I think when you kept writing for 10, 15, 20 minutes, you start getting into the whys. Yeah. Why were you really tick? Was it because, you know, your, your partner gave out to you? Was it really, was it really that, you know, some gym up the road done whatever? Was it really like, what, what's the why? And there's a, when, when you start going back and doing that work and that's what therapy is, what you've done is kind of like a style of therapy, you know, yeah. way of kind of being able to kind of uh, like an introspection of yourself, whatever, but you know, in therapy, we would ask them questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, in therapy, you, you literally see light bulbs going off, pennies dropping the whole lot. When you just ask questions and you get beyond the mask and then all of a sudden it's just the answer. And it's like, Oh, that's, why I was feeling this, this is why, and it's, we don't, I think, give ourselves enough opportunity to uh, investigate why we re really feel the way we feel about certain things, you know, and then we become more susceptible to mm. comparison, mental health issues, anxiety, depression, and um, all of that, you know, um, but I don't know, I, I feel like I've gone on a ramble there, I don't yeah. even know if you're asking. Oh, good, no, no, it's good, <laughs> I prefer that, I prefer that. Um, Right, so I got one more quick because this is going to go on, this podcast specifically will, we, obviously it's going to go on our website, but it's going to go on our youth's uh, social media um, because uh, we want to kind of, we want to kind of let our teens and even some of our kids, if they want to listen to it, um, give them the option of it. But for, let's say someone is watching this, they're a teenager, um, they're not feeling great about themselves at the moment or the last 12 months and just it's hit them hard, yeah. what would be a piece of advice you'd give them to do um, to help them out? Well, first off, I, like, I'd probably start to watch out. I'd probably kind of like get them to, uh, to sit with themselves for a while and ask themselves some questions like, uh, has my anxiety increased since COVID or whatever? Um, am I feeling more irritable? Um, are my uh, thoughts getting more irrational? Have I has there been a change in habit? Uh, sorry, a change in appetite or sleeping? Um, are you f finding it hard to fall asleep and stay asleep? Um, are you being forgetful or brain fog? And start to ask yourself some of these questions to see if these increased since the pandemic has started and if so whatever maybe being vocal and maybe being able to speak up to your parents family member friends coaches teachers whatever it may be and kind of just let them know that you're feeling an increase in all of the the list uh, because they are very important um to uh, to um to be aware of so if they have increased since covid or whatever but my advice then uh like to uh, to younger or teens or whatever like that would be stay connected and um, don't disconnect from friends stay connected as much as possible uh, so ring friends uh, uh, zoom friends connect with friends set up a whatsapp of friends um, and as soon as the the restrictions adhere to the government guidelines and you're able to meet outside meet friends don't stay inside limit social media usage uh, social media usage has gone up 
Um, I think I, 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 I was going to butcher with a percentage here, but it's gone up a lot because people are just sitting inside. So again, when we go back to the comparison thing, we go back to, you know, mental health issues. There's a, a correlation between social media use and uh, bad mental health. The higher social media use, the higher uh, people are at risk of uh, uh, increased, I mean, uh, anxiety and depression. So again, limit your time on social media. Find other things to do besides social media. Go for a walk, read a book, distract yourself, try to be creative, whatever it may be. Um, make time for self-care. That could be just going for a walk, a 5K walk in the evening. Um, maintain sleeping patterns. Even if you have nothing to get up for the next day, don't kind of like get it into two, three, four o'clock in the morning, sleep for two hours and have to get up for school. Get back to your old kind of sleeping patterns and try to maintain them. That can be huge. So make out goals, make out daily goals, if you can, small, very small goals. So write them out, uh, find an accountability buddy, okay? So find somebody, if you're making goals and some of the similar goals, say people in your gym, Stephen or whatever, you know, they go to the gym together. It's like, have an, like find an accountability buddy, somebody in that class or community that they can say, hey, did you do the workout Stephen put up today? Or hey, did you do this? Or did you do that? And no, I didn't do it. Okay, do you want to kind of do it together? Or you do it and I'll do it separately and we'll text each other afterwards with a score or a time or whatever it may be. Is find an accountability buddy. Um, focus on the journey, not the results um, would be a big one. You know, I think in the last year, a lot of people's results, whether it's coming through physical or, or, or um, uh, like eating habits or whatever it may be, things have kind of gone maybe array a little. So just don't focus on kind of like, uh, I've missed out on a lot. Kind of focus on the journey of, okay, where can we kind of start to rebuild? Um, celebrate the small successes and small wins. Um, and show yourself compassion, uh, a bit of self-compassion. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are really compassionate towards everyone else, but then they lack it for themselves. You know, So show yourself that bit of compassion. You know, whether it's you eat, you're after eating something or you're after putting on a little bit of weight or you're not as strong as you used to be or you can't walk as far as you used to, whatever it is, just show yourself that bit of compassion. It's okay. Um, it, you know, tomorrow's another day, as cliche as it sounds. No, that's, that's all great. And uh, if anyone is watching this, um, you can, we'll have uh, Niall's Instagram handle in the links below. And again, I'm sure you can always... Uh, reach out to Niall if yeah. you need uh, and then if you've taken anything positive from this um, share share with someone that you feel that might need it because again as, as Niall said is if you stand up and be heard you're being strong and courageous you're not showing weakness um, so it's a good thing to do guys uh, firstly Niall thanks for being on the show um, if anyone we're going to put all the links to Niall's um, uh, social media and uh, website and stuff. We're going to put that all in the comments so you can go and check from, from him and check out what he's doing and uh, how he's helping people. And obviously give us a like and subscribe to the show and we will see you all on the next one. You're listening to the Live, Live, Play podcast.